Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dolls of Our Lives. This is the podcast where we're reliving the American Girl series book by book. I'm Mary, and Allison and I are actually off for a couple of weeks, taking a little break. Happy 2023 to everyone. We hope you're enjoying this new year, and hopefully it's getting off to a good start for everyone, and you're taking some time to rest and sort of enjoy the small things like maybe an American Girl book or hanging out with friends or family. On this episode, we actually wanted to bring you a crossover episode with a podcast we appeared on a few weeks ago. Um, We had the great fortune to be on American Girl Women, which is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around a microphone and reminisce on the greatest cultural phenomenon that took our childhoods by storm. American Girl Dolls. So you can understand why that description, why we would be a good fit for them and them with us. And by them, I mean hosts Laura Treader and Lindsay Adams Frank. Um, We had so much fun appearing on this show. We had just such a great conversation about everything American Girl related, reality TV, etc. You know, when you meet someone and you're just kind of like, wow, I think I'd be friends with that person. That's how we felt appearing on their show. So we wanted to kind of bring you our conversation with them on their show this week. So sit back and enjoy our conversation about American Girl. You'll hear some of our own stories with American Girl and how we came to it, things we treasure about it growing up. So things we've talked about on the show, but also just some kind of new information and and new conversations with new friends. So thanks very much to Laura and Lindsay again for having us on their show. Thanks to all of you for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. American Girl Women, we have a very special episode as we are joined by Allison Horrocks and Mary Mahoney, co-hosts of the phenomenal AG podcast, Dolls of Our Lives. Allison and Mary are both professional historians and explore the American Girl series book by book within a historical context, sharing their knowledge and insights with a generous dose of humor. We are beyond excited to connect today to learn more about their experiences growing up with AG, and we are truly honored to have our podcast unite. Mary and Allison, welcome to American Girl Women. Thank you so much for having us. We are so excited to be here. Thank you. We are so excited to have you both. I I know I speak for Lindsay and myself when I say this has been a long time in the making. We've been dreaming about this since we started this podcast. We're we're just so excited to talk a little bit of AG nostalgia with you both today. We really could not be more thrilled to record with you today. American Girl was such a huge part of our childhoods, but with the launch of your podcast, Dolls of Our Lives, you really unearthed this interest that was all but dormant in me, in my mind, in my daily life. But you have created such a resurgence with AG and uh, a true renaissance, if you will, (laughs) Um, (laughs) with your always insightful and captivating episodes. And we are just so humbled to have you join us today and learn more about your early years with American Girl. So thank you both for coming on to American Girl Women. Thank you. If I ever have any like low self-esteem day, I'm coming back on this show. I'll just listen to this <laughs> intro again. <laughs> so nice. I know. I know. And for people who have never loved American Girl more all on, on one Zoom, what could be better? <laughs> really? 
<laughs> Honestly. All right. Well, before we get into all things American Girl, we'd love to hear what you were both like growing up. Mary, do you want to kick it off? Sure. I have two brothers. I have an older brother and a younger brother. I grew up in Connecticut and I was really a big tomboy growing up. So I was born 1986, just like American Girl. We can speculate (laughs) about who has aged better, but you know, I won't weigh in on that. But I loved American Girl, loved reading the books, was really the most important thing to me. And I'm the daughter of a librarian. So reading has always really been big in my life. But really growing up, I was very like into sports and into reading. So that's kind of what I was like when I was getting into American Girl. Love that. Did you happen to have any interests that were sort of in books tangential to the American Girl series, like A Little House on the Prairie or Anne of Green Gables moment? Oh, absolutely. I love both Anne of Green Gables and Little Women and Little House on the Prairie. And I remember fondly when I discovered the Megan Fellows, Anna Green Gables adaptations. I don't know if you've either seen those that came out in the 80s. Oh, yeah. oh big time. <laughs> Megan is love. The, Megan is Anne. Like, I will not watch any other adaptation. I'm not interested. She nailed it. Like, I I watched those with almost like a religious reverence when I was like very young and even still now. I even watched the third one. Like I, mm-hmm. that's how into it I was. I don't know if you've seen the third one, but it's oh, yes. controversial. <laughs> and I loved Little House on the Prairie, the show. I love the books too, but the sort of disjuncture of it being from the 70s and seeing people in 70s haircuts wearing clothes from the 1880s. Mm. It was so just sort of like camp and insane to me that I loved it immediately. So <laughs> yeah, that was huge for me. Pa having a feathered hairstyle really just, <laughs> oh my God, the, the dichotomy of it's the, the so two vibes. <laughs> much. And also like genuinely from that show, I was like, okay, so what happens when you go from being not yet a girl, not yet a woman to bring Brittany into this conversation, <laughs> you know, when half pint becomes a teacher, she gets to put her hair up in a bun. And that was, I noticed that I was like, oh, so that's how you signal. Like I am no longer a child. I'm going to wear my hair up. Yeah. And for me, that was butterfly clips when I was in middle school. But I mean, I feel like we were all the peas, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I'm on Little House of the Prairie TikTok. <laughs> Whoa. And, oh my goodness. Like I like have watched like a couple episodes here and there, but I have started to rewatch it recently just to go back to like see all of the ridiculousness that ensued oh my god even the later years with albert when albert was in the mix and they're like we don't have enough going on so we're going to bring a kid who's addicted to cocaine i was like (laughs) what and i don't know Lindsay, are you aware that kyle richards of real housewives of beverly hills fame was on a little house Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> of course. Of course she was. All the greats. Right. Honestly. Little House. Of course. Uh, That's where truly. she cut her teeth. She did her training. Exactly. I don't know if she did the splits on Little House, but I'd have to go back and rewatch. Oh, I'm sure that that's where she debuted them. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it was just as out of context as it is on Real Housewives. Right. So, honestly. Sure. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Allison, oh. what were you like growing up? I was thinking about this question earlier today and thinking about kind of like how much is similar to now. Like I loved my little tape recorder as a kid and I would record people, including my sister's phone conversations. Um, So (laughs) I really liked, I had a little microphone. I would go around and kind of listen to things. I would play with my cat. I would collect books. So basically my life now, but with no access to money. So kind of like (laughs) a little bit less autonomy and uh, 
maybe a little bit more fun with just going to school. Um, I loved school. I would play school all of the time. Um, might explain like poor life choices, like going to school for 24 years. <laughs> I have a brother and a sister. They're both a little bit older than me. So I grew up with them, but also kind of grew up without them a little mm-hmm. bit. They mm-hmm. went to college when I was in elementary school. So I had the benefit of like cool older people in my life and also getting to be sort of an only child. So that was an interesting mix, but yeah, I love to read and my parents absolutely you know, made me believe, and I still believe this, like books were treats. So I would get books as special presents, get books at the store, go to the library all the time. And a colleague of mine just moved to my hometown and the library looks exactly the same as apparently I described it being in the early 1990s. And we got talking about the town librarian. And I said, I can't be objective about this woman. Like to me, she's a superhero. Like I, I, if I ran into her in the grocery store, I would be starstruck. So grew up in kind of like a small town, a little bit of a middle of nowhere. We have a place called middle of nowhere diner, but a lot of fun, like a lot of books um, and a lot of dolls, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh yes. Wow. I feel like the book, like the things we have in common with all these like books or like book universes that we all loved. Like American Girl is such like a natural trajectory from like Little House or Little Women. I have to ask, were you familiar with a series of books called Betsy and Tacy or Betsy, Tacy and Tib? I have heard of it only because of listeners and folks writing mm-hmm. in, but they were not something that I read as a child. Okay. These came out like when my mom was a kid, I think, and or like she read them as a kid. And I feel like the, every time I bring them up, everybody's just like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, <laughs> did these books exist? Like, or did my mom write them? Like, I don't Wow. What's all that for her? <laughs> what were they about? They are very like much of the same ilk as a lot of the stories we've been talking about. But Betsy and Tacy were two friends. Tacy is short for Anastasia icon. Wow. And then I think Tib is like in a later book where she like moves from another town, but that's short, I think, for Tabitha. And, you know, they're just like girls in the early 20th century growing up, hanging around the little foils they get into. But Got it. I had to ask because I felt like this was my audience for that (laughs) book series, but I'm glad Allison's at least heard of it because that makes me feel like I'm not hallucinating it. (laughs) For sure not. I mean, follow question. When you say Anastasia, do you mean the Anastasia? No, no. They're just like, her name just happened to be that, but they just feel like it would be a better series (laughs) if it was the Anastasia and she's just sort of trying to be normie. And she's like, right. Like I was a princess. How dare you talk to me that way? (laughs) Right. And that's where she was just like hanging out in early 20th century America. (laughs) (laughs) Stranger things have happened. The myth, the legend, Anastasia just captivated my childhood and like took it over along with AG, of course. I know if there was like a Venn diagram of like all the things that like also lead you down the path of AG. It's like <laughs> Anne of Green Gables, Little House on the Prairie, like uh, the Royal Diaries and like Romanov yes. history. Like, yes. right? <laughs> all Honestly. But let's get in a little bit to 
your American Girl memories. So I guess we can start with Mary. What is your earliest memory of American Girl? Do you remember how old you were when you got into it and how you were introduced to American Girl? Sure. So I was nine and I got American Girl as a Christmas gift from my paternal grandmother. So on Christmas Eve, um, we would go to church. I was, I'm from a big Irish Italian Catholic family. We'd go to church. We'd go to my grandmother's house and she would typically buy all of her girl grandchildren, the same gift and all the boys, the same gift. And I had not heard of American girl, but on that night, and my grandmother was a second grade teacher. She did not have a ton of money. We all got a Molly doll. Wow. And my three other girl cousins and I got a Molly doll and her set of six books. Whoa. And yeah, wow. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. The boys all got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle swords, by the way. So I feel like we definitely came out on top. Um, <laughs> but that's when I met Molly McIntyre, who incidentally is my favorite American girl doll. So yeah, that's when it began for me. Awesome. Yeah. I think paternal grandmothers play a role in a lot of the American girl origin stories that we've talked mm-hmm. through with our guests. Yeah. My paternal grandmother also got me my first doll, oh. but that's awesome. And I agree. I think you, you did come out on top. All the budget was, was put towards the Mollies. Yes. For that Christmas. <laughs> of course. Yes. Yeah. Fair. Was <laughs> there a, a reason why she chose Molly for all of the girls? You know, I wish I knew, and she has since passed. I don't know if it's because she was set in World War II and my grandmother had obviously lived through it. Yeah. Or, you know, what the thinking was. But yeah, that was the first one that she picked, obviously, years after Molly was first available. So feels like it was definitely a conscious choice. I wish I knew the exact reason. Yeah. Were your cousins up keeping the love for American Girl as much as you were over the years? No. And that's what's interesting is that we kind of immediately split paths because they were just a little bit older than me that I thought they were extremely cool. They were like the trendsetters in my life. They were the ones who were like arriving to family parties with Selena blasting on a cassette in their car. And I was like, oh my God, like who's Selena? What are these like acid wash jeans you're wearing? Like they just seemed so beyond. And so they liked the dolls, I would say for like a year. And then they kind of aged out of it. Whereas for me, I went home with Molly and the books. And the thing I was most excited about was to read those stories. And my mom read them with me. And then it was such a gift to be able to talk about it with my other grandmother my mom's mom, who I affectionately called Fluffy, and I'm named after her. We're both Mary Margaret is actually my first name. And, you know, so it was really a beautiful bridge in our relationship. I would ask her, you know, what do you remember about, you know, a victory garden or this or that? And Mm. it was such a window into her childhood, which she didn't really talk about often. So they kind of moved on from it. Whereas I really stayed there for, you know, however many more years when I got out of it, like Josefina was just coming out. So everything between then I was very deeply into. Yeah. That is so interesting. That's really such a great way to connect with your grandmother. I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to do so. 
Um, also it's kind of funny how we could be so immersed in the world of AG and could kind of pinpoint exactly when the interest starts to wane. I had similar timing to you just as Josefina was coming out. Like that's when my AG era was coming to a close because I could barely remember her in the catalog. Um, but what about you, Allison? How did you first get into American Girl? I was given a Molly doll by my parents. Uh, Really, my mom gets all the credit, and she should, because I know my dad was not (laughs) involved in that decision at all. (laughs) She has admitted that she bought me a Molly doll because she wanted to see it, and she wanted to play with it. And my parents were like decently good at catalog shopping because my siblings being older, they had Cabbage Patch dolls. And Mm -hmm. so they had gone through the process of acquiring those, which were really difficult. Like in the seventies, it was hard to get Cabbage Patch dolls. Like everyone would rush for them. They would sell out. So American Girl, I got mine in 1995. So I was eight when I got my first doll and got my Molly McIntyre. My mom read me the book on Christmas Eve. So we started by doing it together And then gradually I collected a lot of the books and I would get, you know, uh, other dolls for like Christmas or birthday, but I was a doll collector from the time I was really young. So I had already made at that point, a doll house with my mother. Like we put the doll house together. So dolls were a big thing for the two of us. And my sister like, liked dolls as a little, little kid, but was like really not into it. So I think she was kind of like, okay, this is my third kid. This is like my chance to really like seal the doll deal. And I think American Girl (laughs) kept me interested in dolls longer than if I hadn't gotten an AG doll. Yeah, definitely. What other dolls were you into? So I had things like porcelain dolls and I had like an old, a mm. uh, few old family dolls that had been around for a while. I loved baby dolls. I never had a bitty baby. That was never like, my parents didn't want to spend the money on sort of like the non-historical characters, but yeah. I would come to have a good number of American girl dolls. But for us, it was also about making stuff. So we would make doll furniture. We would make doll costumes and doll clothing. And my mother makes Raggedy Ann dolls. So I always grew up with like Raggedy Ann's kind of around. Oh my goodness. That's so interesting. Very cool. That is so cool. One of the things that Lindsay and I have sort of found in the process of interviewing our friends about their experiences with American Girl is just that like the sort of bespoke American Girl doll clothes that you could find at like Brimfield Antique Show (laughs) or like different like flea markets, like people were were like hand making beautiful like clothes that weren't American Girl doll brand. And like, I know the American Girl had dress patterns. Did you have any of those that you were like following through the American Girl brand to make clothes for them? So we would go to our fabric store and my mom at the time was making her uniforms and other Mm -hmm. people's uniforms. So she worked as a nurse. And so Mm -hmm. she would buy fabric. She would make clothes. I would like to say that I was like a great participant in the (laughs) making of the doll clothes. My mom would basically do it, but I would help. Mm -hmm. So I would like pick Mm -hmm. things out. We made you know, Molly, a raincoat, like I picked out the fabric. I actually put like the sort of like little buttons on it. And like, I would do things like that. We would make them jackets and scarves and all those kinds of things, but she really ran the sewing machine. So we Mm -hmm. would buy the actual patterns at the place. And a few times we couldn't get a pattern. So she would just figure it out. She would say, okay, look at the picture. 
we would pick out all the fabric and then kind of like assemble it together. So the photo I use a lot of me with my Molly doll, my Molly looks completely chaotic. She's wearing a homemade birthday outfit and then a homemade jumper from the learn the lesson book. Both of those were made Mm. by us. She looks completely chaotic. Like those don't (laughs) go together, but I like to mix and match. So yeah, well, I have to ask a question that we've asked a lot of our guests, which is where do you both stand on the um, mixing of historical dolls and their time period outfits (laughs) if if you have multiple to work with? I mean, I'm fine with it. I don't really see an issue with mixing that. But is that controversial? Like people are against this? Yeah, there are definitely some hot takes on it for sure. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Allison, like, do you have strong feelings on this? I think for the dolls that I had, the stakes were relatively low because I would be putting clothes between like a Felicity and a Molly. Right. Mm, So like I had certain characters that I would do that with. I think knowing what I know now as an adult, for example, Kaya's clothing, I don't think I would put on other dolls. Or if I worked Mm. with an indigenous craft seller to buy something for Kaya, I don't think Mm -hmm. I would do that. Something I'm seeing a lot of that I think is really cool is people are really loving, especially adult collectors, Claudie's clothing. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of giving them an opportunity to play out a childhood fantasy of imagining Addie having a longer life into the 1920s and kind of letting them borrow timelines. And I think that's a really cool use of like creative adaptation. So there's that. I think that's super interesting. I don't think that like the way that I was doing it, there was anything that complicated. Mm. My Molly right now is wearing Felicity's shoes because I lost hers. So there wasn't like a lot of thought, (laughs) but but I I do kind of see where some people could understand or, you know, like, I don't think that Molly's hula outfit should be given to Nenea. Yeah. Right. But mm-hmm. I think for the most part, a lot of adult collectors I'm seeing, I'm kind of seeing like a narrow window. They're doing stuff that is really creative and thoughtful, but I'm mm-hmm. sure that there are non-thoughtful things happening as well. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And, you know, I hadn't originally thought of it that way. I think I'm, I'm aligned that like, you know, today being more savvy about the historical context, I would probably keep dolls with their collections. But when I was younger, it was just like anybody's game. Like Samantha (laughs) was wearing a karate outfit when last I saw her. Um, Wow. So yeah, I definitely was was mixing and matching a little bit, but we've had people who were like, no, this is exactly how you you play with the dolls in this specific way. So, you know, it's always interesting to hear. Mm. Some people are very gentle with their dolls, even from a young age. Um, I was not one of them. But <laughs> <laughs> Nor I. <laughs> it's really interesting to hear that both of you kind of had received your mollies under similar-ish circumstances where Molly was gifted upon you both. For your dolls that came a bit later, were you choosing them specifically? So I got all my dolls that same way. Like my grandmother just kept giving me dolls, which was so generous and like such a huge privilege. So all the dolls I have are ones that she gave me on Christmas Eve. I had Kirsten, Samantha, Felicity. And interestingly, when Addie came out, my grandmother apparently called my mom ahead and said, the other girls who will not listen to this show don't want Addie. 
you can, you know, speculate anything you want about that. And I was shocked because I was so excited to get Addie. I had such anticipation about it. And I still, to this day, think those books are the best written books of all of them. And I remember being at school and in the midst of that first book and when she self-emancipates with her mom and being so scared that they wouldn't make it or that something would happen to them. Like I was so in the world of those books. So I couldn't imagine not having her those books. But yeah, so those are the dolls that I had, which were quite a few in those books that went with them. Yeah, that's incredible. So was your grandmother gifting your cousins along with you with the dolls for the most part? For the most part. And then because they were older than me by four or five years, once they were in like tween teen category, they were kind of like, that's not cool anymore. And I remember them getting like, troll stuff like remember when that was a thing like trolls. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was like a makeup kit and it was just like this is such a question mark to me on so many different levels like I'm really <laughs> relieved not to be involved in this but yeah they had kind of moved on to like boom boxes and stuff like that yeah mm-hmm. that makes sense what about you Allison what was your experience like were you choosing the dolls that you had wanted for your subsequent AGs or how did they come to you? I was always circling things. You know, I was looking at the catalog and I was circling things I wanted or making it known what I wanted. I knew I really wanted a Felicity doll. I was very excited to get that doll in particular because we would go uh, like semi often out to like Amish country. And a lot of people out there were selling doll clothing. And in my mind, that made perfect sense. Like Felicity needs these outfits. This is a perfect match. (laughs) She's in an Amish outfit right now. I really wanted that doll. I liked it all, to be honest. So I would look through the catalog and I was very excited about a lot of it. I tended to know what my parents were not going to buy. They were not going to buy the contemporary dolls. They were not going to buy the contemporary things like the little computer. They were not going to buy a bitty baby. But I also knew that like the historical characters were game. So I received a Felicity doll, an Addie doll, and a Josefina doll. I also collected the Magic Attic Club girls, including Allison. So I had kind of other like doll collections. American Girl wasn't exclusive, but my parents wanted to make sure that I was reading the books. So if I had read the books, that kind of was my entry point into being like considered to get the doll. And I think part of it was like my mom wanted the dolls too. So it was like everybody kind of won. We had our, we had our moms on the podcast this past spring and I had a very small AG collection. Um, I got a bitty baby around the time my younger brother was born. I had Felicity. I had maybe two or three of her dresses and my mom really over, over indexed on the books. Like I had all (laughs) of the books. I had the AG like of today books, all of which are uh, still in my possession making excellent Instagram content uh, as (laughs) we go along here, (laughs) but she absolutely adores Rebecca who came out, you know, far after, you know, I was interested in them. And on the podcast, she was like, if Rebecca was around when you were a child, you would have had every single thing in her collection. And I don't doubt that. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like half the battle for me was like figuring out a way to sell my mom on what I wanted (laughs) in a way that got her very excited about it. So Like, I remember when Josefina first came out, like, bringing her the catalog and being like, and look at, like, her birthday outfit and, like, look at her, like, weaving loom and all this stuff. And my mom, (laughs) my mom was very interested in that. And I, like, 
kind of was like giving a sales pitch, so to speak. <laughs> but I think for me too, like the historical ones, my my parents were definitely more enthusiastic about getting those dolls and accessories. Although I did have a few of the girl of today items later on, but mm. the historical ones are the ones I really look back on. And I'm like, oh, like those really shaped my interest in American Girl. And right. I think all the books, but, you know, relating to what Mary said about Addie's books, especially her collection and her books were, I think like one of the first books that I remember reading in like one day as a kid, like, cause they were just so captivating and they were really heavy. And of course, all the characters go through growth and challenges that are you know, a varying degrees of intensity in different books. But those books, I just remember being like, so well done, in that it was really intense, but also portrayed in a way that was not like glossing over important things that even, you know, a nine or 10 year old reading the books could still understand and try to make sense of. And I think that, you know, all the books were really good at doing that. And Lindsay's been revisiting some of the books as of late, and I want to revisit them because I feel like even as adults, like going back and reading them, I mean, you guys know, like they still hold up um, for the most part as good books to this day. Or good in ways that you don't anticipate. Like, I think the Kirsten books are some of the most chaotic words ever committed to the page. (laughs) Like truly when I read those now, I'm like, I can't fathom the pitch meeting that resulted in the plot of this book. Right. And you You know what I mean? Are like, how was I, you pick up on things that you did not remember. Like, right. Right. I mean, did I remember at all the dead man body in the cave and we're like, she and her brother like go for shelter during a storm. And they're like, oh my God, we're in here with a dead body. Oh my God. He has all these fur pelts. Hey, our family is struggling. What if, I mean, he's not going to use them. We just take these, we sell them, we save the family. And it's like, I guess like, like, um, realistic, maybe a family who's struggling, but I mean, it's just, who would think kids would need to have a plot line and where it's like, okay, kids, as we all know, sometimes your family is going through something. Hopefully you can, you know, benefit from a dead person, your estate informally, I mean, it's just, it's absolutely chaotic and just sort of like the romance of the West broadly. Mm, But also if you think about our own times before we stand back and say like, well, those books are crazy. I mean, Yellowstone is probably the most popular TV show streaming right now, which is playing on a lot of the same ideas that romanticize what the West can be for white people, basically. So, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes a raccoon just starts a fire. And um, thank you for, wow, way to erase Kirsten's responsibility from that <laughs> event. <laughs> it's my like deepest desire to be a time traveler and going back to like very specific niche moments. And one would be in an AG pitch meeting and then also like a data analyst at Pleasant Company and seeing 100%. what are the high high sellers. Allison, I do have to flag this. I never had a Magic Attic doll, but I was very into the catalog. And I actually just received my copy of a mid-90s edition from eBay of the catalog. And if you haven't seen one recently, 
It was honestly so good. So for our listeners, similar to American Girl, Magic Attic Club was a series of books with corresponding dolls or vice versa, depending on how you book at it, uh, that launched in the mid nineties and was around for about a decade. And it wasn't as big as AG, but they did have a fantastic catalog. And the premise centers around a group of friends that are given access to this magical attic where their wardrobe, you know, is filled with costumes. And there's a mirror that can transport the characters into these different time periods and scenarios, like a figure skater, a circus performer, a cowgirl, various royal situations. And each girl had this beautiful bedroom set, kind of like the American Girl historic dolls. It was very fantastical and imaginative, very costume forward. And it filled a void in the market that, you know, AG opened and carved out as the Magic Attic approach was more modern versus historic. And this was before American Girl's Girl of Today came out. But yeah, the catalog is very editorial driven, super fun to look at. The costumes and clothing are uh, immaculate. But Allison, we chatted about the historic clothing mixing, but were you sharing the Magic Attic Club outfits with your American Girl dolls? So my Allison doll, she is still around. She was very recently played with by my niece, who's two years old. Her clothing is smaller. So their body build is a bit different, especially like some of the older American girl dolls. So they are not quite as, um, wide. I think they're basically the same height, but they're built more like a welly wisher. Mm -hmm. So my niece has a few welly wisher dolls, which is a more recent American girl institution, I guess. And those are a pretty good fit, but no, the magic addict characters for me were on a completely different world. Like they were kept completely separate, kind of like, you know, my raggedy and dolls or Barbies, like they live in a different, Mm. different place. Like American girl, you can travel around, but magic addict, definitely not. (laughs) So they weren't (laughs) even interacting with your American girl dolls. No, no. (laughs) So I had a window seat and I had like a custom built cushion that I made with my mom and everyone got to like hang out in the window seat, like my stuffed animals and everything. But I don't think that they even sat together. So (laughs) they were completely ignorant of each other's existence. Very young girls in a way. (laughs) I think they were. I think too, like when you look at a very high quality doll and then you look at a doll that's made a bit different it's better to keep Mm. them apart because then it really heightens the differences. I have one doll who will not be named who is a more recent one. And when I put her next to certain other dolls, she really truly looks like a subpar product. Like she does not look as good. And it's not a doll who came out in the past two years because I love my Courtney doll. I love my Claudie doll. But when you look at a magic addict doll, like they don't compare. They look very different. Mm. Agreed. There's something we, like a little askew about their faces versus me. Yeah. We have said that like American Girl had almost like ruined us for looking at any other dolls like with an objective lens because there's just something about the facial proportions that is so right that is hard for other doll franchises to achieve. And like when Lindsay and I had our moms on, we were 
going through some of the dolls they played with as kids and we were Googling pictures of them and I was like, okay, these dolls are really just not doing it. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I don't know what needs to be different here to make this work, but uh, American Girl just like had the sauce when it came to the facial and body proportions of those dolls for sure. For me, it's eyes and teeth. So like mm-hmm. I'm in the market for a Julie right now mm-hmm. and I've been ping-ponging between a Julie that and a Julie that's $100 and they look like completely different Julies and neither seller will give me a date, which I'm not usually this picky, but like I want a specific Julie and I keep looking at them and I'm like, these don't look like the same doll. One of them has significant hair issues that I don't think I can overcome. But if you look at a recent Felicity, you look at their eyes, they're completely different. The eyes and the teeth like tell you what you need to know. I'll just out the doll I'm talking about. My Marie Grace, I got a really good deal on her. She's mm-hmm. just, she is who she is. That era of doll making, they were very cheap. Her Ooh. dress Ooh. looks like it belongs on like a TJ Maxx bargain bin. Like it's cheap. Oh, no. It's tacky. I don't like her shoes. I don't like her hair. She's nothing compared to my, I, I love her because she's mine, but she does not yeah. look like of their quality. So, okay, let me ask you this, Allison, because this is like my soapbox here with American Girl, but I feel, and I've made a trips to two different American Girl stores now, one with Lindsay and one on my own, and seeing the way that they've changed the outfits to make them almost like more marketable on the historical dolls, just and they just look so much cheaper, I feel like, than when we were, you know first entering into the American girl universe that it's so disappointing. Like to me, Samantha's pink dress is like kind of a bummer compared to her original dress. Felicity's like turquoise and gold disaster that she comes in now (laughs) is like really upsetting. Kit's like teal and red ensemble. It's just like, it feels so incorrect to me. And I don't know if it's because the clothes look cheaper. The colors don't feel like they would be accurate to a young girl of the time period wardrobe, but that's too shiny. Yeah. That's really the issue. So you look at them and what you're mostly looking at is synthetic fibers Mm. and that's, what's giving it away. When you Mm -hmm. feel an original Felicity dress, you're looking at a cotton product primarily, Mm -hmm. and it looks like it makes sense for her time period. Part of what has always thrown me off about Mari Grace and the more recent Felicity clothes, even some of the Rebecca clothes, you can tell that you're looking at a synthetic fiber from 20 Mm -hmm. feet away. They Mm -hmm. don't look like they're of the quality. Julie, you can get past that. She lives in the 1970s. I think part of why both Courtney and you know, some other recent characters have looked good is they've invested in higher quality fabrics or appropriate fabrics for the time. You should not be looking at a Felicity from across the store and have her dress be shiny. That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. It's not a satin. It's like an actual shininess from like a cheap synthetic fabric. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Like if we wanted a costume, we'd go to the Magic Attic doll catalog. You know, that hurts. (laughs) It's true though. It hurts. It's true. (laughs) Oh, in the the best way. In the best (laughs) way. But yeah, like we were even doing a dive into the historic clothing for girls, which was uh, something that I had always dreamed about owning and Laura and a lot of our followers as well. So we did a very in-depth look a few episodes back. And what we recognized was that a lot of these outfits that you may think of as like a dress up, like a lot of them truly weren't. 
you know, like those are very wearable pieces for the most part, getting a bit past Felicity's collection, especially like, I don't think anyone would particularly know that the outfit you're wearing is a, (laughs) it categorizes a dress up for the most part, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where like the departure is really with the newer additions of the meat outfits and other outfits in the collections that they have relaunched is that it's more veering into that costume territory. Yeah. And I feel like out of all the dolls that originally had clothes that could maybe be perceived as a little bit more costume-like, like I'm thinking of like maybe Samantha's birthday dress or something of that ilk, like even those fabrics just feel more authentic and less like showy, I guess, than like what we're seeing for even Samantha's meat outfit today. Like Grand Mary would never allow a synthetic fiber <laughs> or color. Of the way that Samantha's or headband that Samantha's wearing in her her newest iteration. So I think it's just like, and also she has like a blowout now. <laughs> I don't, I don't wow. know. That's that's always just been kind of like a bummer to me as I've gotten back into American Girl with seeing how they've changed them. And I I guess I just don't understand like why, because I feel like they re-released the six original girls for a reason, right? Like there's clearly a demand for that return to their like original authenticity. And like, I wish that they had kept the, I mean, I I guess that's the definition of a limited edition release, but I wish that they had, you know, kept maybe those dolls around for longer than they did or planned to have more supply of them. Maybe for the 40th anniversary. We'll, I know. We'll hope for it. I'm gearing oh. up for the 40th Annie. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have my wallet ready this time. <laughs> Honestly, what were some of the items in the catalog that you were particularly coveting? Like, what were you circling? Well, for me, speaking of the clothes you could wear, I was never really tempted by that many of them, but Samantha's winter cape was something I really oh. wanted. Like it's an iconic piece. My grandmother, who I bonded with the books over, was an epic sewer and she actually made a lot of my clothes when I was younger. And I she made me a cape. It was like a red cape winter thing I wore. So I was like, I felt like I was already in the cape world. I was ready for the Samantha cape. It did not happen for me, but like I feel like even in adulthood, that would still look good. And then the item I most wanted that I did not get until adulthood was the team ember jacket with mm. the purple like mm. athletic team yep. jacket I really wanted that and now I have one which oh, I got God. it during the pandemic <laughs> so I've had nowhere really to wear it but you know someday I'll wear it somewhere wow I love that Mary also I have to say I saw a TikTok uh clearly I spend a lot of my time on that app but I saw a I TikTok you. the other <laughs> night of a gal going into it looked like home goods, going to the Christmas tree skirt section, and having a hack that those are actually really cute capes. And you wow. bet I'm gonna do this because they're really <laughs> they have a lot of like beautiful variety oh of Christmas skirts and just wrap it around like a little cape. And she looks so chic. I'm in shock right now. Okay. I'm going to need you to follow up with me when you do this. And I'm going to need some (laughs) visual evidence. I'm going to need your personal testimony. How did this go? Absolutely. I'll, I'll send you the video. We'll link it in the show notes. Honestly, this might be the next thing, especially for all of us who wanted Samantha's cape growing up, which I also did along with that muff. Oh yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. The muffin beret. I mean, that fur beret, if I could get my hands on that. I went through a beret. I'm wearing it right now. Yes. (laughs) I also love the Madeline books when I was very small. And so like I started wearing berets for some period of time. And yeah. So, I mean, that whole look, like the muff, the beret, I was so there for it. I'm still there for it. Like Mm -hmm. I'm ready. So you've given me a pathway. Now I'm like, okay, this is possible. (laughs) Mary's about to get back into her beret and cape era. (laughs) Watch out. I mean, I might. Honestly. (laughs) <laughs> what what about you, Allison? What were some of the items from the catalog that you really wanted? I really wanted Molly's entire school set. I really mm-hmm. wanted her desk. I received her school book bag, which I loved and I still have. And I wrote on the little report cards and on the paper in the binder. I gave her grades. I loved that very much. So I was like very excited to have that. There were a lot of things. It's like, I wanted, but I don't really remember being disappointed. I didn't get them because I Mm -hmm. always had enough other stuff to kind of play with. So I really wanted Felicity's bed. And then my parents and I ended up making it. And that was cool. And deep down, I still wanted the one from the catalog, but I liked what I had also. So there's a lot Mm -hmm. of things. It was like, I would have liked to have also had that in terms of like the contemporary stuff, I had a friend who had a lot of those things. So I always felt like that kind of like satisfied that curiosity and her younger sister had bitty babies and they had a lot of bitty baby stuff. So I always kind of got to see what they had, which was very different from my collection without having to actually get any of it. Oh, that's so true. Like having friends that also had American girl was like such a dream because you just like combine your collections to make like endless possibilities of playing scenarios and absolutely it was just the best but yeah I think like American Girl like like sort of like you're saying Allison like there wasn't always disappointment when you didn't get something it was like an early lesson in just like coming to terms with reality <laughs> <laughs> like there were definitely some things I know I circled that I was just like this is just like a shot in the dark but I know I know <laughs> I'm I'm not getting the entire wicker furniture set for Samantha's oh, wow. birthday vignette but oh my gosh <laughs> but yeah. we can dream Truly. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know are the original dolls that you had still in your collections today and in what state are they in? Like, were you very gentle with your dolls growing up or are they a little haggard like mine is? (laughs) So my answer is probably the most dramatic, which is I have no idea where my dolls are right now as we sit and record. Um, (laughs) I I haven't put their face on a milk cart and I might after this recording, (laughs) but I know that they're somewhere in my parents' home. I have asked them about it. I know at one point my dad put them away to store them and keep them safe. Now, have we ever seen them again? No. And my dad (laughs) retired during the pandemic and has been sort of like cleaning out their house for no discernible reason. They have not surfaced yet. I'm keeping the faith. I think I'm going to see them again. But importantly to me, the thing I have in my house are the magazines because that was my favorite thing apart from the books. So I'm, you know, still in tune with that. I know where they are, but unfortunately the dolls, um, you know, check back with me. I don't know. We'll see. Oh my God. Mary, that's like what I've been hoping for my dolls, but I'm 99.9% sure that my parents, uh, just simply gave away all five of my dolls. I have been searching the attic 
for them and I have yet to uncover them. I am going up to that attic in like 30 degree weather every day that I've been home for the holidays <laughs> and searching. Nothing. Yes. And unlike wow. you, I don't, I don't feel confident that you know, my mom was like, we must have saved one. And I'm like, <gasps> I'm, I'm not thinking that we did. <laughs> That's alarming language, mom. Um, Laura has been sending me photos of things she has found, which includes like a cheerleader outfit, uh, Kaya's teepee, and then a lone shoe. <gasps> oh my God. It's like you're down at the Titanic relic and you're just sort of roaming around like literally. Oh my God. It's bleak. Um, and, you know, I have found other things. I did find two naked Mary Kate and Ashley Barbie dolls with my American <laughs> wow. Girl stuff, which I'm like, thank you for your service. I sure. wasn't looking for you, but thank you. I found wow. the Biddy, the Biddy Twins, which was like the last thing oh, I think I yeah. ever got. And again, I was like, thank you for being here, but <laughs> you're not what I want. You're not you're what not I'm looking what for. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Allison, okay. what about what about the state of your dolls? What's their what's their current status? So my kid doll is currently working an overnight shift. She's been in my office. So she <laughs> honestly works really hard. And <laughs> I work mostly with men. And so it's like a pleasure at my job. I just look at them straight in the eyes and I say, She's our supervisor today. And <laughs> everyone goes along with it. Uh so and I have a coworker who she brought in her dolls this past weekend. So they've kind of come together. And so we each agreed to bring something in as a surprise. So I brought a Kaya. She brought a more recent Felicity. So Kit's working a double. Ruthie is around. Ruthie, I took to vote with me. She's kind of been like, whatever character we're doing, I like get the doll and I kind of like do things with them just as Mm -hmm. like part of the experience. So Mm -hmm. I'm currently like on the hunt for like a few additional dolls, but I very, very recently got a Claudie doll who has been hanging out. She's next to my collection of Nancy Drew books because I think she would like that. Some of my dolls are carefully preserved in a closet, but a bunch of them are out in my office. My Molly that I got for the 35th reboot is always next to my original Molly who goes out into the world. So that Molly went to the American Girl store with us. I have let my niece like look at some of my dolls and kind of, she's very young, like engage with some of them. She started to play with my Claudie doll. And then I was like, okay, that's enough. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm, I have like a pretty good latitude, but I have a lot of dolls. They are somewhat out somewhat away. I pretty much always have one in my car because I enjoy that. And I enjoy just like looking at them. So they're like a part of my life. They're around. All my stuff is around. The books are out. They are like as visible as I want them to be at any given time. But my original Molly and my original dolls, I would say are in like pretty good shape. Like I played with them a lot, but they're happy. They're healthy. They don't have any diseases. I clean their faces periodically. So I don't cut their hair anymore. I don't wash their hair anymore, but I do brush it. So I kind of like, I (laughs) get out in the world. Like I enjoy having them out. And if something were to happen to me, that's part of the cost of playing with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a need to send a doll to the hospital? I have had a need. I won't do it. Like I don't (laughs) want them to go away because you might get something different back. Like they also don't have health insurance. Like I pay for insurance for my cat and that's where I draw the line. I will insure myself. I will insure my cat. That costs $1.25 a day. I will not insure 
them past anything. Like I will be there for the medical inspection. (laughs) It's cool because being in the community that we're part of, I've learned how to do some things Mm. that I wouldn't have known how to otherwise. So I believe in like salon appointments and like eye checkups, but I won't send them to the hospital. That just feels too far for me. It's exactly my mentality. When I was six and my mom wanted to send my Josefina away for a new head and I just simply couldn't reconcile myself to having her away from me. So she, you know, she made do with the hair that I gave her. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's funny that you say insurance because we had a conversation on like a past episode a while back where we were like, why didn't they sell insurance packages for these dolls? Because like, truly, you are investing a lot of 1990s dollars into these dolls. And, you know, for five dollars a month to be able to like send them in unlimited times for for tune-ups I'm I'm just surprised they didn't come with some kind of protection plan especially after (laughs) like the hair issues that we've all had like I'm actually dealing with this now I don't know how long this saga has been going on but since I found my felicity in quite a state of disarray in my parents (laughs) attic I don't remember cutting her hair but I absolutely did it and Mm -hmm. it's like a kind of like a tapered shoulder length vibe right now. And it's not great. And I brought her back to my apartment in New York. So she's just kind of hanging out in our hallway in limbo until I figure this out. But I bought a wig on Etsy, a beautiful Felicity Auburn wig. And I I thought this was the perfect match. However, (laughs) however, I, I received it and quickly realized it's a blowout. And I can't give Felicity, wow. you know, 1774, a blowout wow. in this, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. So I'm like, I, in this constant conundrum with myself, like, do I just rewig her? Her hair is tattered. It is like, a you know, a nest in a top knot right now. It's terrible, but do I change her vibe? No. Yeah. I mean, it would be as if Felicity were using the viral blowout brush if if you were to put that wig on her. Oh my God. Like 90s Reba. Like, what are we talking about Uh, here? Hey, hey. Single mama works too hard. Fights a revolution. Oh my God. Literally. It's, it's sort of like, I don't know if you guys were familiar with the CW show Rain. No. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was like loosely about Mary Queen of Scots, but Megan all- Fellows is in that. Yeah, she was. Uh she and she was great as Catherine de' Medici, but of course she, she was. She, uh, all back. she had the most like maybe you could say somewhat like the closest you could get to authenticity in terms of costumes, but every mm-hmm. other like woman under 30 on that show was wearing like a free people dress and, <laughs> and had like two like braids like coming mm-hmm. down the side and like a flower crown. And that's, I I just think that like that is sort of what we would be transitioning Felicity into if you were to give her that hair. Like she's one step away from a like beaded flower crown. So, you know, yeah, that's just, yeah. that's just going to change the vibe. <laughs> it's a quandary. If there was a way to give her extensions, I would suggest that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, something like happened with like the, her hair texture in general, like it has seen better days, this poor, poor Felicity. 
Uh, well, you know, applaud, applaud you, Allison, for keeping your dolls in such great condition because, you know, it just was not possible for me and Lindsay to, to <laughs> achieve that. It wasn't even possible for me to keep them. So, wow. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously we've talked all about the important role that American Girl has played in each of your lives, but we always end our episodes by asking our guests, what lasting impression did American Girl leave on you? To me, it was about thinking about what was possible. And those books always made me feel like anything was possible in a lot of different ways or that girls could be at the center of the story. And I grew up in a family where I was one of the few girls amongst mostly male cousins. So I just felt always really empowered by the books and by the dolls. So really, that's what it's left me with. Like Even as an adult now, sometimes turning a critical eye to some of the storytelling choices, as we mentioned before, I mean, I feel like American Girl gave us the power to do that. Like it taught us that that was okay and expected. And so I think that's, you know, not to get too earnest, but um, I am a Leo and I'll go there, but that's what it's left me with. I love that. Wait, we need, we need to touch upon this. When's your birthday? July 31st. Me and Harry Leo. Love that. Laura and I are also both Leos. Oh my um, God. That's why I could see. That's how I knew we all would get along. Or that's how I could sense that feeling. I love Al- that. Allison, what's your sign? I am a Virgo. Ooh. Okay, cool. So moon and sun. Ooh, oh. I'm a Leo moon and sun, which wow. seems like it would be more of a chaotic combo, but <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry right. for the little astrology detour, had but to, Mary, to do it. truly, I, I hear astrology and I, I can't think of anything else. I feel you. I just over like the weekend, somebody brought it up and I said, what's your sign? And they said, I'm an Aquarius. And I said, I'm sorry, it's not going to work out. They hadn't <laughs> asked the question mm. if we could be friends, but I was just like, I don't know. Can't, can't. No, yeah. I always feel like Leo, Virgo, Libra, Cancer, those are like very strong connective signs for me personally. But <laughs> I think that, you know, specifically what you said, Mary, about being able to turn a critical eye to the series or the franchise in general and sort of almost the book characters and messages setting us up as female identifying people to be able to do that is, I think, really special. And I think that, yeah, it's just, I, I it's what I hope that is the through line even today with some of their newer books and adaptations right. is that that's mm-hmm. still like one of the most important takeaways is that like we can have these like tough conversations or we can, you know, have an opinion that's maybe different um, at any age, like is the right age to speak your mind on something. So Allison, what about you? What's your lasting impression? I think part of what, you know, being involved in American Girl fandom has taught me that I didn't really know before is that your interests don't have to be linear. So dolls don't need to be a thing or books written about children don't need to be a thing that you only like in one part of your life. And Mm -hmm. you can return to something that you used to like very much. I mean, I didn't spend my college or years in my twenties toting around dolls because Mm. I don't think that would have fit with my life at that time. Now it's something I do for fun to connect with a community, to connect with my mom in certain ways again. And so for me, 
that's been kind of a cool way to like go back to something I cared about before that you don't have to necessarily think of even your hobbies as a progression, right? You don't have to think, well, I used to like this thing. And that was something childish. Wall Street Journal came out with an article that honestly, I didn't really like about adults, like people who are adults who like things that are for kids. And I don't think dolls are for kids. I think that they're marketed at children and for people to buy for children. But I think like having an adult interest in something that you used to connect with years ago is totally valid. And you can do it in a critical way, in an interesting way. And I think that that's kind of like a third space that people aren't really talking about. So it's not juvenile interest. It's not adult interest. It's like making creative places to be interested in things across your lifetime. That is so true. And it's something that Lindsay and I kind of became more aware about when we were starting to explore the idea of doing a podcast was we were starting to talk to our friends about American Girl. And some of these friends were people we've known for like 10, 15 years that we hadn't spoken to them about American Girl ever, because even though we had that in common, we weren't aware of it. Because Mm -hmm. at that point in our lives, like it just wasn't relevant to be focused on that. But this sort of like re-entry point into American Girl just came at a very, I think, unique and special time where we're able to revisit it, you know, more so than we would have when we were 16, 17, 18, almost like not far removed enough to really appreciate at that time, you know, the way that we can now. So I think that's so valid, 100%. And I feel like being an adult looks a lot different than I thought it would maybe even like 15 or 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, I wouldn't think that I would be putting this much thought and mental space back into American Girl. And I think many of us may feel that way, but there is a certain level of comfort and excitement into rediscovering something that was, you know, once so meaningful in life. And American Girl was far more complex than what I initially experienced it as, you know, being their target consumer. So re-examining this with a more critical lens has been fulfilling in ways I really couldn't have even envisioned. And of course, technology plays a huge role in this, you know, where you're able to deeply tap into that nostalgia, where pre-internet, you might not have had the access, right? Like I could search the internet for as much info as I could consume or go on TikTok and, you know, connect into a community that will help unlock all of these memories. And we're clearly not alone in this journey. We hear it all the time from our listeners and our Instagram followers. And I think that's, what's really special about American girl, you know, that there were so many avenues to engage and interact with the brand that it's really compelling to revisit from a viewpoint of someone in their twenties or thirties who, you know, might not have thought about American Girl in many years, but revisiting it is something that, you know, is really impactful. Yeah. I mean, I think what listening to Allison and all of you kind of reflect on this, it makes me remember too, that when we were reading the books and playing with the dolls as kids, you're looking at your life forward thinking, who am I going to become? What will I be when I grow up? And now, you know, we're 36, Lindsay, I think in common, Laura, excuse me, sorry, you're not yet. Um, um, We're elder millennials, I guess to you, but I mean, now when you're in adulthood, you know, Lindsay, what you said resonates with me about, it doesn't look the way you thought it would. I mean, for me, it's like, okay, you grew up and now what? And the realization for me is like, we're still becoming, we're still in that process of imagining who we are and who we want to be. 
I mean, I didn't know I was gay when I was reading these books as a nine, 10 year old. I know that now. So when I'm reading the books now, it's like, I'm still becoming who I am and figuring that out. And the books, you know, can retroactively help folks with that process and so many other things. So I think that that's really inspirational, if nothing else. A hundred percent. And I think the thing that you realize, I think universally as you get older is that I think a lot of us spend our youth thinking that when we grow up, it's going to be a feeling that we have, or one day Mm -hmm. something's just going to click where it's like, I feel 30 or whatever Mm -hmm. age. And I literally feel the same inside that I did when I was playing with American Girl Dolls. Like Mm -hmm. I am, I am the same like voice in my head that I was when I was nine, 10, whatever. So yeah. So I think it's just you know, not to get very inner child about it, but I think, I think it's just the door is always open for things like that to stay relevant because you're always going to get something different from it at different ages, because, you know, you're still that same person at the end of the day that you were when you first fell in love with American Girl. So of course it's still relevant after all these years. Something that American Girl did really well is, you know, not only were there so many touch points to interact with the brand, right? Like the dolls, catalog, the books, the events, the store, like there are so many things, but something that was most important to me was the magazine. And the magazine was all about, you know, yeah, it was celebrating the girl, you know, and it was everyday girls. They were not celebrities that were featured, you know, sometimes, but not, you know, usually it was putting the spotlight on girls across the country. It celebrated the everyday and was attainable, not inaccessible. Like this is you and your friends, which I think further drove the attachment we all have for the brand, this relatability. And I think that really resonates today in the AG community and especially in the AG nostalgia community is where We had this shared passion 15, 20, 25 years ago, and this, you know, very well might have been one of our first strong interests in life. So it was particularly impactful and resonating, but there is a commonality that we, you know, will continue to bond us together. And through these communities we've built, we are connecting with people all over the world, either as podcast guests or listeners or in our social media communities who have or had this shared passion. And we all wouldn't necessarily have connected, you know, with each other otherwise. And I think it's really beautiful that no matter where life has taken us, we all have this common bond from our past. And yeah, I think that's just really cool and meaningful. Totally with you. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, Lindsay. (laughs) Beautiful. All right. Well, on a lighter note. (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if at this moment I was like, actually, I hate American Girl. And then I just left the show. (laughs) We're like, um, it's not true. Left the Zoom. Um, (laughs) Just, it's like the Leo energy built too much. And one of us had to do something truly dramatic to just dissipate it. (laughs) The intrusive thoughts went out. (laughs) Oh, my God. Laura, we cannot go there. No. No, but what you said was very beautiful and I totally feel that too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we have a couple of fun little activities for you both. So Lindsay, do you want to get us started with the first activity? Yeah, absolutely. All right. We are hosting a dinner party here and each of you can invite any two historic American girl characters to your dinner. So think about them interacting with each other, uh, interacting with 
you. You could ask them anything. They can ask each other anything. It is, it is a dinner party of three here. Who are you inviting? That's intense. Um, <laughs> Allison, do you have an answer? I'm inviting Samantha Parkington because I'm hoping she'll pay. And I would like to go somewhere fancy and I'll go Mm -hmm. to New York City with her. And then while we're in New York, we're also going to pick up Caroline's grandmother because I think that she has a lot to speak for and she's going to finally answer some questions. So I'm also going to bring a court martial. It could get complicated, but I think that I'm going to like look Samantha in the eye and ask her about her uncle and get to the bottom of that. And then I'm going to ask Caroline's grandmother, like where she was some particular dates. Wow. (laughs) I love that. That is, that's a really productive use of that dinner time. Honestly, that's great. Yeah. Those are great picks. Okay. We're reading the kit books now on our show where we have been. And so I'm really into kit. So I'm inviting kit because I have like a headcanon that she ends up being Nora Ephron's mentor and teaches her this concept (laughs) that everything is copy. And so with that in mind, I feel like she'd be a great storyteller. She'd have a lot of tips for me. I would be very into that conversation. I'm also inviting Molly McIntyre which is complicated for me because she's the one with whom I first identified still in a lot of ways identify. And yet I'm bringing her so that Kit can tee things off in a safe space kind of way by saying simply, where were you January 6th? (laughs) (laughs) A question I need answers to. Yeah. And I hope I'm wrong. Okay. I'm going to say that. I hope I'm wrong, but you know, I just want an answer. And and I feel like they're the queerest American girl characters. I feel like we could have a lot of great conversations. If Molly brought up like, how about that, Ellen? Like that would be an end to the evening, but you know, (laughs) we're all in different places. And I think it would be, and it would be an eventful and chaotic evening, which is basically what I would be looking for. Yeah. Like if, if you don't use this opportunity to create chaos, then I feel like it's a, a waste. What are and you I think doing? You've, yeah. you've, you've, you've both chosen chaos with your selections. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I I think that's amazing. I've always, I've always kind of wondered how, um, how Molly and Kit would interact because they, they mm-hmm. definitely both, I feel like have the same, like, I don't know if you'd say like spunky vibe, but also like a, a tiny bit annoying, but like lovable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that would that would uh that would complement each other well. And you know, I think uh Samantha and Caroline's grandmother, like let's let's call them out onto the the carpet too while we've while we've got them. <laughs> um yeah, I love those answers. Lindsay, what do you think? Yeah, uh, no notes. I love it. <laughs> I, I wish this could actually take place. I know. Right? I would love it. I hope somebody out there, like somebody out there, write it. If you're a fan fiction person, like just mm. play it out, give it to us. We'll receive it. Yeah. Thank you in advance. This right. is like one of the things that I would like imagine before I fall asleep at night, like my little head scenarios, like would be one of these dinners. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we can get into the celebrity activities. So you both gave a few celebrities. We are going to identify which American girl doll you think that those celebrities would have. So Allison, starting with you, Harry Styles. Which doll do you think he would have? 
Julie, obviously, because he wears her clothes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he literally does. He literally does wear her clothes. He looks so good. For sure. Yeah, I think that he definitely owns a Julie. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the bell bottoms, actually, like her entire meat outfit, I feel like he's worn on stage. So right. that checks out. I mean, no notes. That's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, you gave me quite a list. So I'm going to say, welcome. <laughs> um, which doll do you think Dolly Parton would have? I think honestly, the realest answer to this question is that any American girl character would have a Dolly Parton doll. Ooh. Oh my God. Wow. (laughs) Yes. She should be a doll herself. I mean, coat of many colors literally could be an American girl story. So agreed. I mean, a close second would be like, you know, shuffle out of bed and um, stumble in the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition. I mean, that could be a calling card for Kirsten and what ended (laughs) up happening with the (laughs) raccoon, you know, in a different time and place. So, I mean, I'm open to that possibility as well, but I think in some ways, like she is the moment she is timeless. I, you know, I can't place her in a time. So I feel like they all would aspire to her, even if they didn't know she exists. Literally like Felicity would be playing with a Dolly Parton doll and she'd be like, I don't know why or how I have this, but (laughs) I do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I think that that's also a great answer and obviously one we've never gotten before. So love it. Yeah, Um, honestly, we've had guests share Beyonce. She would have all of the dolls, but never (laughs) the inverse of that, that the dolls would have a Beyonce doll. Which would be incredible. She, I believe that that is correct. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. I I feel like your, both of your answers were just so like, right. Some people, I feel like I've given them such softball celebrities, like, or they've given me good ones where I've been like, obviously this person would have Samantha or obviously (laughs) this person would have Molly and they say something totally crazy. And I'm just like, how could you be so wrong? (laughs) Do you confront them about it? Or are you like privately seething? Um, I've, conf- I, I think I've confronted people or like, You've I've been, guided. You've guided. I've been nice been about opinion. it. <laughs> I've been like, oh, no, actually, I think that they should have this one, but <laughs> you guys are, are, I think spot on with both of your picks. So I have no notes. <laughs> oh my goodness. This has truly been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us. It, yeah. it has been a dream come true to have you yeah. on. Life so, goal achieved. So thank honestly, you so much. <laughs> thank you. And please let everyone know where they could find you. So you can find me on Instagram at Mimi Mahoney. That's probably the best place to find me. I'm technically still on Twitter at Mary Mahoney123, but honestly, please don't make me go there. If you want to write to me, <laughs> please find me on Instagram. I'm happy to talk to you. Um, so that's the best place to find me, Allison. I'm at Allison Horrocks, just my first and last name on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow our show. So you can find us at Dolls of Our Lives podcast. That's on Instagram. We also have a Twitter. We sadly don't have a MySpace, but we have a website. You can find our hotline, all sorts of other things, different ways to get in touch. And we are still on that Elon Musk website for now. So who knows? Yes. And please check out their podcast for all the ways in which we are not able to elaborate historically <laughs> on the plot lines of the books, because that that is not our, our area of expertise. But all right. Thank you both so much. 
Thank you. Thank this you. Been great.